as a business leader, you have you know great influence on the life of people you work with, you know, on the customers that you have and the vendors, on your shareholders. So it's uh, you know I think I mean work is a ministry, and you have the opportunity to make a difference in the lives of people. Hi, my friend. Welcome to the Influencers Podcast. I'm Scott Young, along with our co-host, Dave Donaldson. We're here just to see the influence of your life increase, both where you are right now, really to ripple out to the world. Today, we're going to have a fascinating conversation. We're going to talk about finding God in Silicon Valley, looking for God's hand in venture capitalists and entrepreneurs and innovators and nonprofit startups. And do you know what your core values are? And is that important? Today's conversation is with a man who has had decades of leadership in Silicon Valley. Skip Baccarello is with us today. And Skip, we're so glad you're here. And he is the general partner for One Flourish Capital, which is an organization that is a faith-based venture capital firm investing in technology-based startup companies. He's also written a fascinating book, which is entitled Finding God in Silicon Valley, Watching Spiritual Journeys in a High-Tech World. He has a rich history of leadership in Silicon Valley. From 2005 to 2021, he led the Connect Silicon Valley, which was a nonprofit organization offering speaking events to high-profile leaders and encouraging conversations of faith and life. Uh, For over four decades, he held various leadership positions in Silicon Valley, including uh, Viscorp, which is the pioneer of Viscal, the industry's first spreadsheet. Um, application. He was the president and CEO of Applied Weather Technology, which helped maritime industry with software. He was the CEO of Communications Solution. He worked with 3Com. He was the CEO of the Saratoga Group. He just is a very smart man. He uh, has an MBA and has taught graduate courses. And Skip, we are glad that you're with us today. Thank you very much for taking time out of your schedule to be with us and our friends on the Influencers Podcast. Scott, it's a pleasure to be with you. Thank you. Maybe you can just tell us a little bit, fill in the gaps of your story and what brings us to this uh, conversation today and tell our friends a little bit about who you are. I'll be very happy to. Um, maybe a little bit of background. So I grew up in the, in the, in the Boston area. And I grew up, I was attended a church. I would have called myself, I always believed in God, and I would have called myself a Christian. But I also um, grew up during the late 60s and early 70s, and that was a time of great turmoil Mm -hmm. in our country. Some of you listeners that are young may have read that in in history books, but lots of divisiveness. Uh, The War of Vietnam was going on. There were riots on college campuses. 1968, there were racial riots in the cities. Sexual revolution uh, was mm-hmm. was beginning. Uh, feminism was beginning. So lots of things were happening. And during that period, while I was in college, you know, faith just became less important. I kind of gradually walked away from it and, and really did so for the next 20 years. If somebody asked me, I would have said that I believed in God, but wasn't practicing it or doing anything about it. And I got to Silicon Valley. You mentioned with Visicorp that I that, uh, had the very first spreadsheet, Visicalc. It was fascinating for me to be in that culture in Silicon Valley. And for the first time in my life, I began to achieve some financial success. I grew up with a family. We didn't have a lot of money. We certainly weren't poor. 
But as I began to experience uh, that success, I found that there was something missing. Later on, I realized that the uh, philosopher Blaise Pascal mm -hmm. called, called that the God-shaped void that's in all of us. Um, so I discovered that later on, and, and I really didn't know what it was. And uh, through a variety of circumstances, my wife uh, was invited and started to go into church, and she sort of dragged me along. And, and I began listening, really listening for the first time, and the messages began to resonate with me. And, and uh, so I, you know, I tend to be a, a, a bit more maybe cerebral. So I began to investigate the evidence for faith, you know, read the Bible, read various other accounts uh, uh, by people, C.S. Lewis and, and others. And, and, you know, and I was convinced that Jesus is who he says he is, the son of God. And, that, and from that point forward, when I uh, committed myself and my life to Christ, it became the most important thing in my life. Uh, so that's, that's my story. And I'd say just maybe when I, once I did that, it probably took a couple of years. There were really two things, uh, purposes that I felt God gave me. One was to do the best I could to live out my faith in business. And the second thing was to help other people know who Christ is. So that became sort of the orientation and, uh, you know, of my life and, and is even up to this day. How long a journey from when your wife prevailed on you to go to a church service till you the light bulb went on the moment that you saw this is real. How long a journey was that? It was about 20 years. Uh, 20 years went, went through. The, I mean, from, from when I, over, from when my wife, when I started going to church. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was, that was really a period of maybe six months, nine months. Okay. You know, I, I yeah. started going to church and, and, you know, started, I attended a, you know, Bible study, read the Bible, but, you know, in the vicinity of six to nine months. And then I said, Hey, this all makes sense to me. Uh, that's when I committed to Christ. That's just to encourage some of our friends that invite a friend to church, and it's not like a one-day thing. There's a process of people kicking the tires, thinking about things. And and then when did you write the book, Finding God in Silicon Valley? Well, I wrote the book in 2015. That was when it was completed. But I really, I got the idea for the book when I was back at a reunion. I went to Harvard as a undergraduate. And I went back to, my, I think it was my 25th reunion, which would have been in the mid-1990s. And there was a little, a little cohort got together of Christians, even though I wasn't a Christian when I went to college, but I did a, you know, post-college. And we were given a book called Finding God at Harvard. Mm. And, and, and it was a fascinating book. And I've gotten to meet the, the author of that book, uh, Kelly Monroe Kalberg. And it just struck me that most people don't, don't think of Harvard and God, even though it was founded as a Christian university, but people certainly don't think of God in Silicon Valley. But I had experienced really the, uh, you know, the hand of God and a movement of God in Silicon Valley. So that gave me the idea. So that was in the mid 90s, but I didn't write the book until 2015 or <laughs> complete it. I found that I, you know, I, I, I just couldn't write and work full time yeah. <laughs> at the same time. So once I left my last full time job, I spent about a year and a half you know, finishing and writing the book. And how does your book help someone that is struggling with their faith? Or maybe they're on that journey between, I've heard about Jesus, is he who he says he is? And how does your book kind of help them? Well, I think we live in a little bit of a celebrity culture. So we kind of look up to people. They may be professional athletes or, you know, maybe, you know, actors or actresses. But in Silicon Valley, people often look up to the, uh, to the leaders in business to the CEOs or leading technologists and so on. And so, you know, my, my hope with the book is that it would 
people that read it, it would help them consider faith. They say, hey, if these people believe this, CEO of this company or top venture capitalist or scientist, you know, if they believe this stuff, maybe I should consider it. So that was the reason that I wrote it. And in the book, you'd find all sorts of great stories, stories with people that went through struggle, stories like mine, which was more success and realizing the emptiness of success and coming to faith, uh, all sorts of different stories. And, and there's a bit of apologetics, people who investigated the faith themselves and, and, and discovered where uh, Christ is, who he says he is, and, and so on. So I think there are lots of different things that people can get out of the book. And I don't know if, if I, what I, I love, personally, I love stories myself. I find that even these days when I attend church and I hear a sermon, I'll usually carry something back, but I may forget much of it. But what I do remember are the stories. Mm -hmm. So I think stories are very powerful ways to communicate faith. Well, Skip, uh, great to see you again. I've enjoyed uh, getting acquainted. I'm a big fan. I grew up in the Bay Area, and uh, many of my neighbors work in Silicon Valley. I worked there for uh, quite a while, and many would say that it's a spiritual wasteland. You're dealing with people that would say, I, I really don't need God. You know, I've got everything. I don't need God. And how has God used you in the, the breakfast that you've put on and other ways that you have reached out uh, to executives and sports figures? You know, how has God used you to penetrate through that? Well, Dave, again, it's good to see you. Thanks again for uh, having, having me on. Yeah, the Bay Area, you've lived there. It's an interesting place. And I think the perception of Silicon Valley as a spiritual wasteland is pretty close to true. I mean, you know, when people come to Silicon Valley, they're usually um, very self-motivated. Technology is king. Uh, and, you know, they feel that they, they can, people can control things. Uh, so there is, there is, you know, and studies have shown that Silicon Valley tends to be one of the least churched areas in the country. On the other hand, I believe there's a real movement of God there. Uh, and there's all sorts of evidence that that's happening. And I really feel that, you know, again, I, I talked earlier about storytelling, and that's why I began with this thing that we call Connect Silicon Valley now, which was a forum in which mostly business leaders, but it could be nonprofit leaders or sports celebrities would come and they would talk about their faith to talk about whatever it is they're involved in. And that would be the reason we did it that way is be, to really encourage Christians to invite their non-Christian friends. It was really an outreach opportunity. And we didn't have an altar call, but our purpose was to open up conversations about faith, to get people to think about it, which is the purpose in my book as well. So God really used me, I feel, to, you know, in that, in that way to open up that venue. And I, and I really have a heart for, uh, for outreach and evangelism. And I tell you, one of the things I enjoy the most is engaging people in one-on-one -on -one conversations, because I really was where a lot, of, a lot of them were. I was, you know, I was skeptical. I didn't really believe. I had lots of questions. And, and I can't always answer the questions, but if I don't, I tell them, listen, I'm not sure the answer to that, but let's meet again next week and I'll see if I can, can answer it for you. So, uh, but God's really used me in that way to really help, I think, help other people and, and help them consider faith. You know, you are, you're a modern day, you know, kingdom diplomat. And I think a lot of people that are in the business world, uh, they, they're not exactly sure how to really cultivate the relationship with their colleagues and cross over from maybe talking about business, sports to Jesus. 
How do you do that? Well, I think the most important thing is you just you just love people. You know, you 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 meet with them, you know, non-believer, believer, and you just enjoy them. And, and and often, you know, something will come up in a conversation. I don't try to force it, but often something will come up, you know, about faith. Or it might even be as simple as somebody might talk about, oh, I was at a great game on Saturday, or I did this at this event. I might say, oh, I was at an event. And, you know, I heard something very interesting in church on Sunday. Something like that may bring up a conversation. Or if I have people over for dinner, just the simple act of saying grace before dinner, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll bring it up. People say, oh, are you, are you a Christian? You know, and it just opens up conversations in that way. So there are various ways. But the most important thing, I think, is to really care for people, to enjoy them, to love with them, to, to be with them. And, and along the way, you know, conversations of faith will come up. And and the reality is you realize that everyone, I believe, is spiritual. God tells us that we're made as spiritual beings. So deep down, everyone has a desire, you know, for something beyond themselves, for something bigger. And it's our role to kind of tap into that and help them along in their journey. You certainly can never force anything. And there's a lot of listening in the process, uh, telling stories. I often ask people, what's mm -hmm. your story? You know, if we talk about faith and, and you know, oftentimes people have been, you know, mad at God, they've been mad at the church or something has happened. And I can relate to some of that. And I said, you know, I've had a similar experience to that. And, and, you know, you kind of, you kind of, you know, engage in conversations like that. And also, you know, listening to God, I remember a conversation I had, there was a guy that, you know, I, I meet a lot of people through sports, I play tennis, and that's one way to kind of meet people. And there was a guy that I was, I would an invite to, to events, I'd invite to the uh, connect Silicon Valley events. And, and and usually they would come to that before they'd come to church. They'd come to something like that. And uh, there was one guy I was reaching out to. He says, yeah, listen, I think I'd like to know more about faith. So I went to see him at, you know, we, we were supposed to play tennis this one day. And, and I said, and we had planned to have coffee after it. And uh, his name was Ed. And and I said, okay, Ed, I've replayed. Okay, you ready? You want to have a conversation? He says, oh, no, I don't think I'm really ready for that now. I said, okay. But I was in the locker room dressing and I and I really heard, you know, the mm. Holy Spirit saying, go ask him again. <laughs> so I did. And he says, yeah, yeah, let's have it. So we ended up having about a two hour coffee together. And he he kind of poured out, you know, his his anger with God and his reasons for not believing. And and we just had a long, long conversations. And one of the greatest gifts I got is when Christmas Eve, he called me and and uh, said he's accepted. He accepted oh, Jesus. So you never know how God's going to work in the lives of people. And it's kind of like the. That swimming game, Marco Polo, you know, where you you could have uh, business executives, sports figures, they're underwater, you know, for one reason or another. We we know that that these leaders can be heroes one day and feeling like zero the next, based on the share price or how the last game went, and. But uh, Marco Polo, meaning that when they do come up, you're there and you're there to help them through a crisis. And I know you've experienced that many times. Well, you know, you, you try to you try to be with people as they're, as they're going through difficulties. And you're right. You know, we many people feel you can control your life. The fact is, you can't. Uh, and and everything is is you know you might be doing great at your business you might be your family might be all together things are going great but that's not what life is things change along the way you know technology changes your business is suddenly on top it's now on the bottom I, I experienced that so many times in Silicon Valley 
I once thought about doing a study of looking at the uh, San Jose Mercury News with all the you know the, head, the headlines about these companies are doing great, and then going five years later and figuring out, okay, now what's really happened to those companies? Um, so it's it's things of life is very changeable. But if we're there, and if people you know, if people know that we're that we are people of faith, that that sometimes they'll just come to us. I had, in fact, I had that. There was a guy that I reached out to. Again, he was a guy that I played tennis with, and we would occasionally talk a little bit about faith and. And then, um, and then, and then we didn't. And I, and he, he just, he wasn't playing tennis, and I didn't see him very much. And then, totally out of the blue, uh, I got a call from him, and he said, "Hey, Skip, you know, I know that you're a person of faith, and you know, I'm interested now. Can we talk?" And what had happened is he had another friend who was who was dying, and his other friend told him, he said, "Marty." You need to find Jesus. <laughs> so, so I was one of the I was one of the people that Marty, you know, said, "Oh, I remember Skip." So he gave me a call. We had a conversation, several conversations about faith. He had great questions. He'd go for a walk. He'd ask me questions, and then uh, and maybe this happens on the holidays. But one Easter Sunday, as we were taking a walk, uh, he, uh, he and then you know he, he accepted Jesus. So you know you don't know if you're there. You don't know what influence you have. And you may you may have given up on some people, and you never know what's you know what's happened to them. But I think we all look forward to the day in heaven when 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 we'll say, "Hey, you had this influence on my life. Thank you." And I know that there are several people now that have influenced my life, and I'm actually doing something now. I've I've read a, a wonderful book which says gratitude works, and uh, I'm beginning to write letters to people and thanking them for their influence in my life. But there are lots of people like that that. You know, and, and as a business leader, you have, you know, great influence on the life of people you work with, you know, on the customers that you have and the vendors, on your shareholders. So it's, a, you know, I think, I mean, work is a ministry and it's an opportunity for everybody. Well, if it's work in a for-profit or non-profit, you have the opportunity to make a difference in the lives of people. And, and most people will know, you know, in some fashion or other, without even saying anything, that you are a follower of Christ. And they'll look to you as an example. And, you know, we have the opportunity to be a positive example or a negative example. I love what you said that uh, work is a ministry. I think sometimes people think the ministry takes place in a building on the weekends, but you found a truth that ministry is every day. And you're working in something now called One Flourish Capital. And how is that a ministry now? And, and what's the story of One Flourish Capital? Well, the uh, One Flourish Capital, as you mentioned earlier in the introduction, it's a venture capital firm focused on, it's a faith-based venture capital firm focused on, on investing in companies that are technology-based in some way or another. And we, we invest in startup companies, so very early stage companies. Uh, and the group of us that started it felt that, you know, that in many ways, the culture we live in is broken. Uh, and there, and one way that you can help make a difference is through business. There are certainly other ways. I mean, there is education, there is government, um, lots of ways. But business is one way you can have an effect on the culture at large. So uh, we felt that by, you know, investing in entrepreneurs of character and helping them, you know, develop the culture uh, within their company, you know, sort of a, a culture based on biblical principles, that they can make a difference, that we could make a difference in their lives and their companies, and they in turn could make a difference in, in all their constituents, their employees, their customers, their shareholders, vendors, and so on. So it was, that was really what, what drove us is, is to, you know, is to 
you know, it's a big picture. We're a small venture capital firm, but it's a big picture is to, at least in a small way, help change the culture at large. And you talk about those leaders having um, character, their their core values, and and what are why are core values important, and um, how do you discover these people if they have them? Well, you know, sometimes it's 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 uh, well, it's not easy. I mean, you know, but it's. You know, if you have enough conversations with people, you ask for references, you can really find people. And quite frankly, most of the companies that we invest in, and really all the companies we've invested in have, have been referred to us in one way or another. But character does make a difference. There was a study a few years ago in the Harvard Business Review uh, by a consulting firm. And the consulting firm went and interviewed you know, people in companies around the country. And they asked them about the character of their CEO, of their leader. And then once they did that, and they had a sort of a profile of the companies, they went and investigated the uh, success of those companies. And what they found is that companies that were led by leaders of good character, character being things like you know integrity and humility and forgiveness and compassion and so on, those companies formed, performed five times better than those companies that were led uh, by people who their employees described as not having high character. So, you know, character, it, it does make a difference. And it's, you know, and, and people like that, you generally will, will and there are, there are ways to do it, but then you'll build a culture. People want to work in a place that they like to work at, right? And, and, and you know, people, often they leave because the culture just doesn't fit them. It's a toxic culture in one way or another. So anyway, back to the, we, we try to invest in entrepreneurs of character who want to, build a, you know, basically a biblical culture, not using Bible verses or anything, um, but it's, but, but the, the right culture in their companies. And we'll come alongside them if they'd like, if they'd like us to. You know, it seems like a lot of employees move around. And, you know, why is that? And number two, you mentioned toxic culture. How can a company change that? I think changing it is difficult. <laughs> it's very, very difficult to change a change a culture. It usually means changing the leaders in that in that in that corporation, um, and that's why we. I mean, it can be done, but it's it's a lot easier if you start out on the right foot, uh, and that you um, and and you you kind of take it from there. That's why in our case we're interested in in very early stage companies. You know, but I but I think one of the one of the important things I think Scott you had mentioned values, which I talk a lot about, uh, and companies. You know, it's been it was popular maybe I don't know ten years ago or so for you know business gurus to talk about having core values in in, in your organization. Uh, I mean, there are there are business writers. Jim Collins was one, and who showed that companies that have the right values tend to perform better. Although I should correct that. What he said is companies that live out their mm -hmm. values you know, perform better uh, because it was a thing. A lot of people would publish values and they'd put them on their coffee cups and on their walls, but living them out is something else. Once you define what you stand for as an organization, and then you are very proactive in living those out, integrating them in all aspects of the business, the way you hire people, the way you conduct performance reviews, the way you, you run meetings and so on, that can make a difference. So you talked, you asked about changing it. I think if, if somebody really were to, to say, okay, we're going we're gonna to make a turnaround and change it. And, and you know, these are the values that we, that we believe in. It can be gradual. You can do it. 
and, and people will, will respond to it. So I think values are very important. The other thing I'd like to add about that is a lot of people know about you know, having you know, corporate values or organizational values of some sort. But in a one-on-one, -on -one, I encourage people to, to define what their personal values are. What are the things in your life that you would never want to compromise? A value is in, in business and in life, all sorts of things are going to change. And, and you should be flexible and willing to make those changes with one exception. And that is the values, the things that you believe in, the values, the, the way that you want to behave. And, and, and I would encourage people to, uh, to, find, to figure out what are your values. And maybe if you're married with you and your spouse, to define what are the values for your family? How do you want to live? So, you know, I have a chance periodically to talk to college students. And that's one of the things I encourage them to do. Sit down, think about what are the things that you believe in? What are the ways that you want to behave? that you're never going to want to change and never would compromise. So I think, I think values are, you know, to me are, are very important to est establishing the right culture and staying on the right track. And just listening to you today, Skip, it's obvious that one of the values that is dear to your heart is sharing your faith and you take time, you look for strategic opportunities. I'm just, there's somebody listening today that maybe is struggling with their faith that maybe they've been hurt by a church and, um, could you just take a moment just to maybe give a short gospel, just w why you believe in Jesus, why it'd be worth for them to believe in Jesus? Well, I believe that, you know, believing in Jesus is the, uh, the most important thing we can do is, is, is to decide where we want to put our faith and trust. Uh, we can put it in ourselves. We can put it in our business. We can put it in our families. But really, the only thing that's going to last is, is putting it uh, in putting our trust in Jesus. And, uh, you know, it is, the, it is the most important thing you can do. And so I would encourage people to take the step. Jesus is the good news. Uh, Jesus is about love. Uh, and that would be, that's really my, my encouragement to people is find out who Jesus is. You may be mad at the church. You may be mad at, at, at other Christians, you know, and, and that, that, that happens. We're all broken people. But look to Jesus. Who is Jesus? And, and you know, in doing that and then asking questions, and I think faith, uh, you, will, you will find yeah. faith. Recently, I uh, taught at Grand Canyon University. You had 120,000 students, and I taught at the Jerry Colangelo Business School. Uh, he is a great man, great business leader. And during the Q&A, a student asked me, if you could do it all over again, what would you do differently? And I quoted Walt Disney, who was asked the same question after 25 years, and he replied, I don't want to do it over again. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to ask you that question, Skip. Uh, what, as you look over your life, would you say, I wish I had known this sooner? Well, as I said, I came to faith maybe, you know, 20 years or so into my career. And I wish if I were to do it over, I wish I would have listened to people uh, that had tried to share their faith with me. Um, and, and then, you know, then living out the faith in those organizations that I was a, was a part of. I'll tell you one little anecdote. I remember after college, I remember I was sort of in the, the hippie time of college. So I, I, when I graduated, I didn't have a job. And a group of us lived together, and one of one of my friends invited his cousin over, and she, and she was a Christ follower. 
So one morning we had a party all night and the next morning we were making breakfast and she came down for breakfast and she said, oh, that was a fun party. But one thing is, do you know Jesus? And I was kind of taken back, like, what are you talking about? And so I went and talked to my friend, her, her cousin. I said, boy, she's a religious fanatic, isn't she? Well, once I, when I came to faith, years later, I, I talked to my friend John. I said, give me, give me Katie's name. I want to tell her. I remembered what she said. <laughs> so, I mean, earlier, if I, earlier in life, um, maybe I would have had, you know, more influence uh, on people. I might have been, you know, a better steward of my whatever skills I have in the organizations that I was working with before I came to faith. So that's, that would be the one thing that I, maybe I wish I had listened and investigated a bit earlier. And Skip, if people wanted to, uh, follow one venture, one uh, flourish capital, or if they wanted to connect with the book, how can they find this material and how can they connect with you? Sure. Well, one, one flourish capital is simply that the number one flourish.com. So one flourish.com, that's the yeah. website. And I would encourage if anyone is, uh, you know, has a business plan, let us know, <laughs> you know, you can, you know, you know, contact us through that, through that website. Uh, so that would be one, oneflourish.com. Uh, the book, Finding God in Silicon Valley, is available on Amazon. So it's it's right there. People can purchase it on Amazon. And and I, I do have a, um, a website myself, skipvaccarello.com. And, and I began, I've begun putting some videos on that site. I think there may be four of them there that are there now. And I plan to, to continue to add more. So there may be you know, some things that people find useful on that side. So that's Skip Vaccarello, V-A-C-C-A-R-E-L-L-O.com. Those are a couple of resources. Love your heart. Love your spirit. Uh, Dave talks you up before we met today because he's met you before. And uh, no wonder he wanted you to be here. No wonder he showed up for this program as well, just to spend <laughs> this time with us. And friends, Skip's heart is that you would find the real meaning of life. You really become an influencer when you meet the greatest influencer of all. And that's when you meet Christ. The church may have let you down. Christians may have hurt you, but just take Skip's advice today. Look to Jesus. Ask that question that mm -hmm. he asked us to think about. Who is Jesus? And if you find the answer to that, you will find the meaning to life. It's been a great time here on the Influencers Podcast, and we want to encourage all of our friends and listeners to keep being an influence where you are to be light in a dark world, to bring warmth to cold rooms, and just do what Jesus did. Be the salt and the light of the earth. Thanks for being a part today on the Influencers Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Influencers Podcast on the Charisma Podcast Network. If you enjoy our content, we would love for you to subscribe and have the opportunity to tune in to future podcasts. You can follow us on all social media platforms at the Influencers Podcast Official. You can stay up to date, hear more inspiring content, and unlock your full potential as an influencer. Remember to use your influence to create lasting change that draws the world closer to Jesus.